Good morning, River Ridge Church. I don't know about you guys, but that was slightly overwhelming for me this morning. Um, I woke up this morning, and it was like a beautiful 45 degrees outside, and my blankets were so nice and toasty warm. So by show of hands, did anybody else this morning, thank you, thank you, that's, that's really intimidating being closer to you guys like that. Um, did anybody else, by show of hands, wake up this morning and just be like, I do not want to get out of bed today? Was that anybody in here? Awesome. Well, uh, I'm glad that you've made it out to come hang out with me for a couple minutes. Uh, and I want to say, just starting off, congratulations. Like, getting out of bed and making it to a 945 church service on a Sunday morning where it is like cold and dreary and wet outside and you're just like, I just want a pumpkin spice latte and stay in bed all day. Uh, Like that is a huge accomplishment. So congratulations to you all. uh, But more so, congratulations to you guys that have teenagers or little kids uh, that you brought to church with you this morning. And the reason I say that is because really, honestly, we all know it is difficult to get little kids and teenagers, and we all know they're basically the same, up for church in the morning. So every weekend wired, I spend the first couple minutes asking the kids, hey, when did you guys go to bed last night? Because I know what kids are doing in middle school. They're staying up late. They're like Snapchatting with their boyfriends and like playing Fortnite with their squad and stuff. And so I always ask them, I say, hey, how late did you stay up? And then I say, raise your hand if you stayed up till 12. And like no hands ever go up. And then I'm like, raise your hand if you stayed up till one. And they're like, are you kidding me? And then I start getting like later and later. And then I eventually get to like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And all the kids are like, that's me, dude. And then there's always that one kid that like comes into Wired and he kind of walks in like this, right? And you're like, when did you go to sleep last night? And he's like, I didn't go to sleep last night. So props to that kid. Uh, It was probably pretty easy to wake him up. Um, But back in middle school and high school, I was the same way. I mean, I remember back in middle school and high school, I would spend so much time playing video games that there just simply was not enough time to sleep. But now that I've aged a little bit, I'm getting a little more mature and a little older. Um, I'm now like a 9.30 or 10 p.m. type guy. So I used to stay up till 3 or 4, and now it's like 9.30, and I'm like, where's the melatonin? Let's go to bed. Um, So that's awesome. But I also remember in high school, I was the type of kid that would set an alarm, uh, or about 15 alarms, rather, uh, starting at like 6.30, and I had to be out the door at 7 o'clock. You guys know the drill with high school guys. Like, there isn't really a lot to get ready in the mornings. You just kind of wake up, roll out of bed, put your clothes on, and head out the door. Um, And so I was the type of kid that my parents would always have to come get me up about three minutes before we were supposed to leave, and then I would jump out of bed, grab my Axe body spray, coat myself in that can of Axe body spray, and keep in mind, my family was probably taking like stock in Axe at that time, because I was going through a can a day. I mean, I'm waking up, I'm like, let's go, let's get it. And then eventually, you know, you roll out the door, you get in the car, and then I have a 20-minute drive from Elkview down to Capitol where I get to take another nap. And I'm sure my parents absolutely love that. So is there anybody in here who, by a show of hands, would admit that their parents, when they were growing up, probably had way too much patience with them in the mornings? Anybody else feel like their parents had too much patience? Right? Uh, Anybody in here that's a parent think you have too much patience for your kids at times? Yeah? A couple of you guys? Sweet. So... For parents with kids like me, mornings 
take a ton of leadership. I mean, whether you take the, the style of like the drill sergeant where you have like the whistle and you like come in and like dunk like cold water all over your kid and like pull him out of bed and like start tweeting the whistle and like kick him or something and say, get up, it's time for school. Whether you have that style or maybe some of you guys have more of a passive aggressive style of, oh, well, if they wake up late, then they won't get to shower, they'll smell bad and they'll never have friends. Um, like at the end of the day, we all have a way that we lead and we all have those leadership styles and I don't know from personal experience how hard it is to wake a teenager up just because I don't have a teenager yet. I'm practically still a teenager myself, uh, but I have uh, woken kids up before. And so I want to show you guys a quick video. It's about a minute long of a time that I woke one of my friends uh, named Kyle up for school at six o'clock in the morning. So everybody take a look at this. It's six or six. I think it's a great day to wake Kyle up. Let's go see if we can find someone to let us in. So anyway, like I said, we all have our own different styles of waking kids up. That one actually worked really well. So if you guys were curious, uh, we got that confetti can from Walmart. Those things are about $5. And honestly, like, I feel like you could keep those, like, in your supply closet or something at home. Like a closet that the kids don't go in, like a linen closet or something like that. Just keep them in there. The kids will never know they're there. And then anytime your kid is having trouble waking up, just pull one of those things out, boom, right in the face. And trust me, they will wake up every single time. You see, guys, the thing is, mornings like that take a ton of leadership. Getting kids up for a 945 church service takes a ton of leadership. But the thing is that you and I will be called to lead in every single season of our life in some capacity. Whether we're in middle school or high school or college or an adult or a parent or retired, there will always be a moment where we're supposed to be the leader. For some of you guys, it may be leading your families. You know, the Bible talks a lot about that, especially for men. We're supposed to lead our families. For some of you guys, it may be leading your classmates. Like I look down here and see all my friends from uh, George Washington High School and my friend from uh, WVU who just can't get enough of me and decide to come home every weekend. Uh, but it may be leading your classmates. Or for some of you guys, maybe you're a captain of like a sports team or maybe you have done that before. Or maybe for some of you all, the people you lead are your coworkers. Right? Whether in a formal capacity or an informal capacity. We all have times in life, we all have seasons where there's a point for us to step up and lead. And so today, we're going to talk a little bit about what it looks like to level up our leadership in a very practical way that can apply to every aspect of our life. But the question is, why is it so difficult for us to be leaders? You know, I think a lot of times we struggle with uh, being a leader because there's this like mental dialogue that's going in our head telling us these different things that say, uh, I'm not good enough to be a leader. I'm not ready to be a leader. What if I don't do a good job? What if they don't listen? 
Or maybe even we just say to ourselves, I don't want to lead. You see, the thing is, leadership is a natural next step as we mature and as we grow. In River Ridge, our mission is to help you guys take next steps in your walk with Jesus. And part of that means that at a time, you're going to have to lead. And so the thing is, we're called as Christians to be leaders in our families, but also in our community. You know, our church has just started this new prayer focus called For the Valley that we're doing at both our Charleston campus and our Taze Valley campus. If we really want to be for the valley, we need to learn how to lead in our communities. For some of us, we just lead in church, right? We might serve in uh, Wired or Ridge Kids or preschool, and we got to lead there. So there's always going to be a place for us to lead, but I think this inner dialogue that we have when we're Christians is sometimes even stronger, right? Because when we're leading in the world, it's like, well, I'm not good enough to be a leader, but eventually we might get over that. But when it comes to Christian leadership, there's a lot of the same barriers and a lot of new barriers as well. And a lot of us just don't know what it looks like to lead in our Christian walk, right? And I know for me, growing up, uh, when I was in my senior year of high school, I decided to follow Jesus, and I knew immediately I wanted to lead in some capacity, but I didn't know what that looked like. And so we have thoughts like this. Maybe we should join another ministry. And if you'd like to join another ministry, student ministry is always hiring. So come find me after service. Uh, It's amazing. It's the best place to serve in the church. Don't tell the other leaders I said that. Um, So we might say, maybe I should join another ministry. Or maybe I should start like a family prayer time. We should like all just sit around the living room, like singing Kumbaya. And then we'll like pray for like hours and our kids will love it, right? Uh, So maybe we do that. Or maybe I should write a book on Jesus that will eventually land on a New York Times bestsellers list, right? And I'll make a lot of money from that, and then I'll be a great Christian leader. Or maybe because I'm not good at writing books, I should just start writing a blog. And a lot of Christians do that. That's a form of leadership as well. And if you're in high school, you may have had this temptation. Maybe I should just go onto my Instagram and take a picture of my Bible, my journal, and my pumpkin spice latte and post it to all my friends because that's a form of leadership. And see, while all these things can be great, Right? While all these can be next steps, I don't think they're universal, and I don't think that leadership and leveling up in our leadership looks the same for every single person. But today, as we look at the end of Paul's letter to Timothy, right? Second Timothy is where we're going to be today. We're going to talk about leadership, and I think that Paul does give Timothy some advice that applies to every single one of us uh, as we level up our leadership in every single capacity, whether that means leading our family, leading in our job, leading a soccer team, or leading our classmates, I think what Paul has to say applies to every single one of us. So it says this, uh, if you want to pull out your Bibles, you can, or you can just look up at the screen. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 through 5. It says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season to correct, to rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people uh, will not put up with sound uh, doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to break this scripture up uh, for just a couple minutes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Uh, Thank you for calling us into this life, this walk with you. God, thank you for calling us to level up in our leadership, and today as we uh, approach some of these barriers, some of these things that uh, make it difficult for us to lead, help us to learn how to lead in a way that you would want us to. Help us to change our community. Help us to be for the valley and for our families. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So, like I said, uh, just to give a little bit of context, we've been in this Level Up series for the past uh, about a month now with a break for our Vision Sunday sermon. Um, But to give you some quick context, the book of 2 Timothy is written as a letter from a mentor to his friend. Uh, The mentor being Paul, the friend being Timothy. And the mentor, who is Paul, like I said, uses these letters uh, to Timothy to correct him at times and to at times encourage him and at times rebuke him. You see, the things that Paul is calling Timothy to do, he does in this letter and in 1 Timothy as well. If you can imagine, if you had someone growing up that was like a big mentor figure to you, someone you really looked up to, and they spent the time to sit down and write you a letter, you would take time to read it. And you'd probably read it over and over and over again. And the things that they said, you would want to accomplish those things because you love them and you care about them. And so here, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, first, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. And so the thing is, to preach the word, right, and the word being the Bible, to preach the word, we have to spend time in the word. And that's the thing that a lot of us get wrong uh, initially, is we're like, well, I'm called to be a leader, so I don't need this anymore, because that means I'm a follower, so we put this down, we don't pick it back up, and then we go about our day being like, oh, I'm going to be a small group leader today, or oh, I'm going to change my office today, but we never spend time where it starts. You see, to preach the word, we have to read the word, and so I have a big first point for you guys. When you don't know how to lead, read, because a lot of us are looking for answers in life And we're looking for them in the Bible. But we sometimes pull this little approach. And since we're close to Halloween, I'm going to make an analogy. Or if you don't celebrate Halloween, that's okay. On October 31st, we all dress up for Matt's birthday, um, which is actually really cool. It's very very unique. Um, But we do this little thing with our Bible uh, where we're like, it's kind of like the the Walmart effect, right? You're walking through the toy line in Walmart. And then you see that little uh, magic eight ball that some of you guys had growing up. And you pick that thing up and you say something like, God, am I supposed to leave my job today? And then you shake that thing really hard, and then you, like, wait for it to give you an answer, and then you end up in, like, Jeremiah chapter 30, and it says restoration from captivity, and you're like, praise the Lord, I'm leaving my job. But the thing is, guys, that approach that you and I take to reading our Bible is not the approach that Paul would want us to take. He says that we should be ready in season and out of season to preach the word and to be uh, ready to preach the word. We have to be constantly saturated in the word, right? That method of picking our Bible up and then like throwing it in the air and then like clapping three times and waiting for it to like fly open on the table and expecting the answer we're waiting for just doesn't work. We need to be ready in season and out of season And the way that we do that is by being saturated in the word of God. And so today is not a sermon about the Bible, right? We've already had that a couple weeks ago during our Reconnect series. But what I will do is take a quick second to add a shameless plug for you guys to go and download the River Ridge app or visit riverridge.org and listen to our series called Reconnect. And in that series, we had a great message about how we read the Bible and how we can get things out of the word and apply those to our life. So if you don't have the app already, make sure to go back and check that out. But like I said, this method of reading the Bible where we just wait and hope we get the right answer does not work, right? It's almost like a magical, mystical type thing. We're like, oh, well, if I just open the Bible, it'll always say what I need to. And then we open like the back cover and there's a map of like, 
Jerusalem, and you're like, that doesn't help. So ultimately, guys, be saturated in the word. And then Paul says to be ready to preach that, right? Be ready to share that word with everybody you come in contact, both in season and out of season. You see, some of us end up doing ministry as a lifestyle. That's a thing that we do. But we are all called to ministry, right? We are all called to preach the word. And Paul goes on with Timothy, and he talks about three quick ways that we're going to talk about today in which we can level up our leadership. And he makes them pretty clear for us. And so the first one is this. First, Paul urges Timothy to use the word to correct others, right? To lead is to correct There are going to be moments in our life where we are leading and we have to correct someone. Like some of you guys might have played soccer. My dad was a great soccer coach. Uh, I say that sarcastically, kind of. He's not here, so he won't know that I said that. Uh, But anyway, like if you can imagine a soccer coach and he like is looking at this kid and they're like, okay, go ahead and dribble. And the kid like picks the ball up and starts going like this and like running down the field. That coach has to correct him. Right? Because that's not going to work in a game. That's called a handball. It's not something you do in soccer. And so when he says dribble, he's talking about with your feet. So he has to correct that kid. And so as a leader, there are times that we have to correct other people. And for me, I think that really the sign of a Christian, the sign of a Christian leader in our community is someone who is ready to correct other people and who's bold enough to do that, but to do it in a way that's loving and caring. You see, we're not talking about doing this in a hypocritical way like the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were always ready to correct someone. But the thing is, that's not what we're called to do. We are called to look first at ourselves and then to look at others. We're called not to be overly critical, but instead, look at people and lovingly correct them. You see, Paul was calling Timothy to look for opportunities to set people on the right path. You see, Jesus in the Bible says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I like to look at life and say, man, there are a lot of people going their own way, but I want to set them on the way of Jesus, right? And sometimes that takes correcting them. We live in a time in which everything is supposed to be black and white, but I think sometimes there is some gray, and I think usually the gray is the way of Jesus, right? And we are called to uh, correct people and put them back on that path. And so a way forward, right? A way to level up our leadership is to get bold in our communities, in our families, in our job, in our schools, and learn how to correct people in a way that doesn't make us look like jerks. And so part of correcting and presenting that better way forward is something that isn't so nice all the time, and Christians have a really bad rap for this, and I actually don't like this word at all, but it's in the Bible, so we're going to go ahead and use it. And it's our second way that we're going to level up our leadership. To lead is to rebuke, right? See, we're called to rebuke others. And Paul does this throughout all of his letters, right? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all these letters that Paul wrote to different people in different times, he would always take an opportunity to rebuke them. And when we talk about rebuking, a lot of us get a little cringy, right? We're like, that sounds like a terrible word. And we get these mental images of people who have claimed to be Christians but are really just like jerks that stand outside with these big old signs and like yell at people and tell them how God hates them and all these things. And that is not rebuking, right? And the reason I know that's not rebuking is because earlier this week when I took a little bit of time to look into this word and I love like I am a total nerd, I went back to the Greek and I wanted to see what does the word rebuke actually mean, right? Because you and I, like when we hear rebuke, we're like, that sounds frightening. Like that is not something that I wanna be a part of. And so when we look back at the Greek word that's used here, the word is epitomal, right? Epitomal, E-P-I-T-I-M-A-L. 
O would be how we would spell it in English. And what this word means is essentially just to warn, right? It's to give a warning. So we could translate this this verse uh, to say correct, to warn, and encourage. We could change it that way. But I wanted to go a little deeper into that word because in the same way that the English language has these compounding words uh, like extraordinary, which, by the way, is like the coolest word in the English language because you don't look at it. You just say, oh, it's extraordinary, but then you break it apart and you're like, it's extraordinary, and it becomes like way more magical when you say it that way. Um, the same thing happens in Greek. Like they compound words, and sometimes when we translate them back to English, we lose some of the meaning. And so when we're talking about epitomal or to warn, uh, there's a part of that word in the back end, the timau, T-I-M-A-O, which means to honor, to value, or to love. And so when we look for the true meaning of to rebuke, right, it means to warn in a loving way. It means to warn people that we honor or that we value. You see, most times when we rebuke someone, we're simply attacking the things about their character that come against us, Right? But the thing is, a biblical rebuke is not focused on us or our way. It's focused on what is best for that person. You see, when I was a kid, I had a terrible time of listening, like probably most of us uh, in here, especially to my parents, because after all, parents just don't seem that cool sometimes. And so uh, my parents would oftentimes tell me not to do these certain dangerous things that might lead to injury, things such as when you're riding your bicycle, make sure to wear a helmet and don't ride in the gravel. Right? Or things like don't run in the hallways with your shoes on because they're brand new and they will have too much grip and you'll end up falling. Or something along the lines of don't lean back in the chair at dinner time because if you do that, you're inevitably going to fall. And sure enough, every single time when my parents told me not to do something like that, I did something like that. So don't ride in the gravel turns into do ride in the gravel and then we have a head injury. And don't run in the hallway turns into pull a Usain Bolt in the hallway and then we have a head injury. And don't lean back at the kitchen table turns into lean back as far as possible and that turns into a head injury, right? And some of you guys may be like wondering, I wonder how people get into student ministry. Uh, Maybe my head injuries have something to do with it. Uh, But I literally, like I think the only thing I ever went to the hospital for was head injuries because of not listening to my parents. But see, ultimately my parents were rebuking me, right? They were warning me. They were saying, hey, if you keep doing this thing, you're going to end up hurt. And they weren't doing it because they didn't want me to ride my bike in the gravel. Like that would have been a totally cool thing to do. They were warning me because they loved me and because they cared for me. And so in their leadership role as a parent, they were called to rebuke me. And see, a good leader will lovingly warn those in their life of things that could be devastating or could have bad outcomes because they love them. You see, this idea of leveling up in our leadership and having to correct people and to rebuke people, that starts in a place of loving others. You know, if nothing else, I always tell my kids this in in Wired and Sunday Night Live, if we are about nothing else here, we are going to be about loving God and loving other people. And see, correcting and rebuking fall in line with that. There's a right way to do those things and a wrong way to do those things. And so after that, he says, hey, you need to correct people, right? There's times where you need to set them back on the right path. You need to rebuke people. You need to tell them they're wrong sometimes and warn them. But because you love them, right, do it in the right way. And then finally, he finishes up by saying there's one final way to level up in our leadership. And he says it's to encourage others. You see, because correcting and rebuking can hurt sometimes. But encouraging, like that builds someone up. 
Can you think of a time, I want you guys to kind of pause for just a second. If you're taking notes, just kind of stop that. Can you think of a time when someone encouraged you in a way that made a real difference? You see, we all have love languages. We all have ways that people pour into us. Mine is not words of affirmation, so if you give me a compliment, I appreciate it, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't really respond well to those, but I will say I do appreciate people taking the time to encourage me, right? And if we look at the letters of Paul to Timothy or to the church at Galatia or to the church at Philippi, all these different letters, Paul always starts it off with an encouragement, Right? Sometimes they'll say, my brothers and sisters, how I long to be with you, right? An encouragement, or my brothers and sisters, I have heard of the good things that you are doing, right? An encouragement, and we are called to do the same thing. And I think it's cool to think of this because just simply encouraging someone can be a really easy way to level up in our leadership. You know, for you guys that do lead, whether it's in your family or it's in your workplace or it's on your sports team or in your school, how often are you encouraging people? You know, sometimes we got to take a step back and look at ourselves and look at our leadership style and realize that as Christians, we should be the most encouraging people out there. And a lot of times we are the complete opposite of that. And so my quick and easy challenge for you guys this week is not necessarily to correct or rebuke someone, because sometimes that takes some time to learn how to do that, but rather just encourage someone, right? Go out of your way to encourage someone. If you're uh, working in a workplace, encourage your co uh, worker who ticks you off all the time. Right, that one guy that you just can't stand that probably like sits there clicking his pen or like eats popcorn and it drops all down his shirt. Uh, hashtag Bruce Moore. Um, no, I'm sorry. I love you, Bruce. You're, you're great if you're in here. Uh, if you're not in here, I still love you. Um, so it takes some time to encourage that coworker. Uh, whether, like if you're married, maybe take some time to encourage your spouse because sometimes we could use that too. Like that's always a good thing to do in a marriage. Uh, if you're a parent, maybe you should encourage your kids. Because a lot of times I know that parents spend a lot of time getting down on their kids about bad grades, bad sports performance, bad this, bad that, too much video games, too much that. Take some time to encourage them and just tell them how good of a kid they are. And if you're a kid, take some time to encourage your parents because they need that too. And I know teenagers, this is specifically to you guys, we, uh, we I say we because I'm a teenager still, uh, we are really bad about encouraging our parents. But take some time to do that because they love you and they care about you. So take some time and just tell them how good of a job they're doing. You see, uh, encouraging is easy. After Paul talks about all these ways to level up in our leadership, he kind of finishes off with a verse that we have been talking about for this entire series. And so I'm going to go ahead and read that to you guys, but you've already heard it. Uh, this is verse 6 and 7 in 2 Timothy 4. It says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, what Paul is saying here is not, I preached a big conference or I signed up for a new ministry, or I'm at church every Sunday, or I read my Bible all the time. That's not what he's saying. What Paul is saying here is I have continually taken next steps. I have leveled up. You see, for Paul, life was all about leveling up in his Christian walk. And it's evident from the New Testament that Paul was always looking for his next step. And here at River Ridge, we're a church of next steps. We are a church of leveling up. And so here in a second, Matt's going to come up and give us a couple little things to finish up this series. But I want to kind of break this down a little bit further and just read it one more time. It says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul here wasn't claiming to be perfect. All he was saying is I have ran after Jesus. I have given this life all I had. I left it all on the table and I leveled up. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Matt up uh, to give us some final notes 
on this uh, Level Up series. And I'm going to invite you guys this week to be praying about how you're going to level up in your leadership. Thanks. Hey, I just want to uh, wrap up the series and, and make two points. Um, the first kind of comes from a conversation I had this week with a friend, and he was talking about he had lost like 40 pounds over about six months, and he was just excited about that. And he said, you know, this is the first time that I've ever like had a long-term goal that I've met. Usually it's like if I can't figure it out by Friday, then I don't want to set it as a goal, right? And he's, he was just kind of excited about this. And it made me think about this whole series of Level Up. That This series... If you want to level up in your leadership in the way that you lead your own life spiritually and leading your family and leading in the community, it's not like a finish it by next Sunday kind of thing. It's not even like level up by the end of the sermon series. But what we've been talking about over the last six weeks in level up as we go through 2 Timothy is it is a lifelong process where we say day by day by day, I really want to be in a point in my life in the future where I can look back like Paul did and say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And so I want to encourage you just to keep your eye on the long ball and what that looks like in your own life and say, I want to keep working on leveling up my faith. And then kind of the the short part of that is we talk about this idea of taking next steps in your journey with God. And, And I want to challenge you with that, that maybe the next step in your journey with God is to lead in a new and bigger and different way. Because You know, you very well may have been coming around to River Ridge and you haven't really done anything different for three years or five years or eight years. You've been serving in the same way and doing the same thing. And and I would challenge you, if you're at that point where you've been kind of just doing the same thing for a long time, to say, what would it look like for me to step out of my comfort zone? And the next step for me is to level up in terms of doing something very different, very challenging that would challenge you. Because it's easy to kind of get in a rut where I come to church on Sunday and I serve in this capacity and I, and I do this, but we're never really taking bigger steps. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, to take some bigger steps. If you need help with what that is, I'd love to help you with that. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this journey through Second Timothy. And uh, Lord, it has been so impactful in my life. I feel like Paul wrote it to me. And God, I pray that you would help each one of us to go forward as we live out our walk with you, um, to step up our leadership, to level up in the way that we lead ourselves, the way that we lead our families, the way that we lead in the community and church. God, we want to be great leaders for you so that we can look back at the end of our lives and say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. In Jesus' name, amen.